Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, junior reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today, I am joined by Jim Hawker, co-founder and sales and marketing director of brand performance agency, Three Pipe Reply. Hi, Jim. Thanks very much for being this week's attention seeker. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah, I just had a week in the Isle of Wight, so I'm feeling very refreshed. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Did you get good weather this week or has it been so-so? Uh, I'm not sure the weather's any good every, any, <laughs> any good in the Isle of Wight, no, um, yeah. but it was just nice to have a change of scene, as they say. Yes, you, you think that the inches closer to France might help, but no, never really does, does it? <laughs> yeah, not really, no. Well, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do at 3Pipe? Sure, yeah. I'm one of the original sort of founders of the agency. We, we sort of have gone through a, a sort of an interesting path over the last few years where I, I actually started the agency as a PR agency and now end up running a sort of brand performance agency because of a lot of the M&A activity that we've done over the years. So um, I merged my agency with a, a performance marketing agency and then went on to acquire a creative and SEO agency. So we sort of built out a sort of a fully integrated uh, digital first agency uh, called Three Pipe, which for those that don't know is named after a Sherlock Holmes story. If he was given a complex problem to solve, he would call it a Three Pipe problem. And that's why we're called Three Pipe. Oh, that's great. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, here oh, you that's go. fantastic yeah. little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's had quite the journey, hasn't it? Evolving into all sorts of great things. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of change, but all good. And let's spend the first part of this episode getting to know this week's attention seeker. So, Jim, we want to know what's getting your attention this week. Well, I was off on holiday last week and I tried not to read as much performance marketing news as I, as I could avoid. <laughs> but um, I guess the thing that's uh, happened just before I left and it's been occupying a lot of our um, thoughts has been the retirement of Universal Analytics um, and what that means for uh, all our clients, existing clients, but also the prospects we're talking to. So, you know, we've been devoting quite a bit of time and energy to bringing clients up to speed though the I have to say I think it's a topic that has met with some resistance by a lot of clients who sort of are still sort of figuring it out for themselves and, and trying to understand how they need to change their data collection over the next sort of year or and start making those changes now um, but yeah that that's that's been an interesting challenge for us. I know one that all agencies and clients are grappling with at the moment. Yes, well, there's a lot of changes to tech and things recently that are creating a lot of differences for brands. I mean, you've uh, been helping out Liberty with their Google Analytics, is that right? Yeah, so we, we have a dedicated data science team. We're an analytics partner for a number of different clients. Um, Liberty is one of them. But actually, we've we've been onboarding quite a few new clients because of what's been going on in the background for the last sort of few months. Um, we've just started working with the European Tour Golf Tour uh, Association in the last couple of weeks, overhauling their whole approach to measurement and analytics and setting them up for best practice moving forward. Speaking of golf, are you a golf fan? Have you been watching the Masters? <laughs> no, uh, I, I always like to. I'm a sports fan. I'm terrible at golf. 
Uh, but I always watch the last round of the Masters. Yeah, well, I've got a golf-crazed family. I really don't care for the sport at all, but I'm forced to watch it during during dinner times. It's it's on the TV. We can't get away from it. <laughs> Poor you. Um, but moving on to find a little bit more about you, Jim. Can you tell us about a time that you have done something completely stupid, completely ridiculous for attention? Uh, like a few years ago, well, a long time ago now, but I was... Um, I drove a London double-decker bus from Canada to the tip of South America. Oh, wow. And um, we we made a 20-part TV documentary, and it took us 12 months. And, um, yeah, that was probably the craziest thing that I've done. I was fronting up all the sponsorship and PR for the trip, so I did loads of TV interviews and radio interviews along the way. We were raising money for a charity called War Child, a children's charity, music charity. But yeah, we had all sorts of drama and I got arrested twice on that trip for various things. <laughs> One, oh. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Uh, well, <laughs> we well, I can tell you about out? one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was quite a lot of celebrity involvement as well at various parts of the trip. And in fact, one of the arrests involved a celebrity with me. So oh. I, I, I can't divulge that, um, unfortunately. It's good. To, I, I would do if I was with you on my own. But I probably don't want to get into trouble right now. No, so, that's, um, that's a smart choice. Yeah, that that was fun. But um, yeah, quite exhausting. But um, yeah, I definitely got in front of the camera quite a lot on that on that documentary and doing lots of TV interviews. So yeah, that's probably my my claim to fame, as it were. Oh, that's really exciting. That does sound like a lot of fun. So it sounds like um, someone's gap year that I might be hearing about when people go travelling and they come back with all these stories about getting in trouble with the police. Yeah, I was being paid to do it. Can you imagine? I yeah, know. so um, yeah, technically I was working <laughs> and um, yeah, it's kind of a professional gap year, really. Yeah. I think that's what appealed to me. I was like desperate for a bit of a career change and got offered the opportunity to do something a bit different as well, um, but still look good on the CV at the time. So yeah, I, um, it was an eventful trip and lots of stories came out of it. Yes, well, I've got to make sure I can see you in person at some point and hear those stories because I'm dying to know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 loose lips after a couple of pints. So, um, yeah. Um, we would like to know what can, what can cookies tell about you that you perhaps don't want them to know? <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so I'm sort of hesitating while answering that question. So I, <laughs> I do have a love of camp synth pop music. What is that? It sounds, I don't know, sort of <laughs> made up myself, I guess. So I just love syn- synthesizer music. And um, my favourite band is a very interesting band called um, Erasure, which is a little bit embarrassing. And a whole generation of people have probably never heard of them. But I've seen them live like 60 times. 60 times? Yeah, yeah. It's an obsession. <laughs> My How wife many... is really, really worried about it. It was when we first met. How but, many yeah. times have you seen them in the last year? Uh, twice. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Please tell me you've met them or something. That you must have got some. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've met well. them loads of times. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I've travelled the world to see them. I've seen them in New York and Moscow and Budapest and oh yeah, all over stuff, right over the place. But um, yes, I have, I have met them. And uh, I was in the fan club when I was fourteen. And, oh, long time um, So I've been following yeah. them for. A, pre-internet <laughs> pre-cookies pre pre-cookies pre, well before pre-cookies yeah well before cookies 
And is that something you'd you'd rather they didn't know? You get are you they must be the only ads you get. <laughs> no, no, no. And for our next section in the podcast, we like to know about your ratings of the industry. One thing that's overrated and something that is underrated in the industry. Let's start with overrated. So would you mind telling us about what you think is overrated in the industry? Actually, I've just I've I've chosen something which might you might not be happy with actually, oh, um, really? which is award, awards. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just like and I wasn't going to choose this, but I, I went on holiday last week, and I think I got about four voicemails and ten emails purely from awards awards organisers over like five days, reminding me of in, impending deadlines, and I I just felt like I was. Um, you know the old days of PPI calling. I, I just kind of felt I was just being harassed by all these awards <laughs> organisers, and um, obviously there's some really good awards, like the Performance Marketing World Awards, of course, yes. And, and then there's just like a, a long tail of shit um, <laughs> that that basically you only enter because like you feel that like you need to have at least one or two awards on your website or on your creds for that particular year. And I just feel like I don't know. There's so much money being made. Um, and I just question the value of it in terms of, you know, not just the time investment, but the, you know, taking a table and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we've won loads of awards, so I, I'm not going to say we don't enter them because that would be that would be wrong. But I can't honestly say I can point to the value of them sometimes. And um, I know plenty of agencies that have never entered any awards that have been very successful. So I'm, I've got, I'm a healthy sceptic mm. when it comes to relying on awards for new business and marketing um but i guess as i as i say this i'm feeling the pressure from my performance marketing world not to say this but well no not I think at all i think you're completely correct that having too many awards devalues the valuable awards so yeah we almost need to you know make sure that we have the specific ones and if we they're repeating them then what's the point but i mean as yeah. will smith has correctly pointed out watch shows <laughs> don't always go the way we plan so no I, I just like i don't know my my wife works in the industry slightly different industry but marketing related and um she had a campaign that has just been shortlisted for like 20 awards on one night oh god and i'm just like how can you be in 20 different categories <laughs> at the same time it's like it's just ridiculous so um but each obviously you know anyway that's a there's more of a bugbear rather than a sort of guess overrated thing but um it's only because i got hassled so much last no, I can week completely understand it's, that. it's probably front of my mind and then if you want to move on to what you think is underrated in the industry something that you think deserves more attention award no 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 not awards <laughs> um so well we're, we're going to be signing I, I, you up I, for more awards that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> no please not this week anyway um i've always made time to do networking and and getting myself out there a bit and i guess that's why i'm here as well but you know meeting people meeting new people and and sort of nurturing relationships and i think that might be because i i came into the performance marketing sort of uh area from a slightly different more pr background and i think it came more naturally to me and people working in pr than perhaps working in performance marketing but i was i've always been quite surprised about how poorly networked people are within performance marketing and all the effort they make to actually sort of go out there and and and, and I think it might be because of people's uh, natural sort of character character is different I would say in digital more than sort of more creative sort of sectors and so I, I'm always trying to encourage our staff to get out there to meet new people um, not just at the senior level but through through all through the agency 
because you're you're only as good as the, your network and your relationships and you take them with you wherever you go um and and i think that's really really valuable and um i just don't think necessarily people or individuals put enough priority into doing that um because you know i've got to where i've got to today because of my network and making the time i did when i was in my early 20s and mid 20s and late 20s to actually investing in 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 that network and it still carries me through to today online is great you can be really targeted in your networking online but as as well as offline but um i would say that is the probably most underrated thing that I, I, it's thing I see people not doing which would add the most value to their career. No, I think that's completely true. And I think people make up anything, make up any industry, especially ours. It's, such, it's so heavily you know, reliant on the data, but the data is only there if people can collaborate and talk with each other. And this is one of the biggest problems that we face since the pandemic because it has stopped people networking. And I think it's now opening up now. But I think that's especially been quite harmful for a lot of young people starting in jobs now, being able to have the opportunity to network. No, definitely. And I think there are lots of opportunities out there. You know, there's lots of free networking things. There's, um, you know, even in, say, in SEO, there's, there's, always, there's always SEO drinks, there's digital drinks. You just got to, and often like it's a free drink, right? So it's, it's not actually going to cost you anything. It's just going to cost you a bit of time and effort. Get, getting out of your own sort of echo chamber and meeting different people and also meeting people client side as well as agency side if you're working predominantly in agency. And, you know, you, you can get really good friendships out of it as well. Absolutely. It's all about who you work with and make it all worthwhile. But you know where you can get a lot of networking opportunities? That's award shows, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I find at award shows, you sort of go with your table and there's like you sort of look across the table and there's this like, rivalry <laughs> and tribalism. Whereas, I don't know, you often sort of pitch up at networking things on your own and you have to sort of say hello to someone, don't you? But, yes, um, that is true. That is true. Uh, maybe you're right, though. <laughs> I'd like to know a bit about your best practice, the most exciting project that you've worked on and how it got people's attention. Um, I mean, we're quite lucky. We do lots of exciting campaigns and a lot of them are new and fresh. You get that opportunity when you're working on more of a project basis sometimes rather than a sort of ongoing retained sort of piece of activity, business as usual stuff. But the one that sort of stands out, we've been fortunate to work with the England and Wales Cricket Board for a number of years. Last season or last summer, we worked on the inaugural competition called the 100 which is a whole new format of cricket i'm starting to realize you don't like golf so you might not like cricket as well so no, again <laughs> it's another thing i've been subjected to with my family so i've had all okay. their critique of the 100 <laughs> or love of it oh, oh right okay oh yeah i mean it was quite controversial for lots of reasons um but it was really exciting to be part of something unique unique and completely new um and you know the ecb have invested heavily into sort of persuading people like your family to sort of give it a go and think about it differently. And, um, but you know, what that meant for us is that we had an opportunity to do something really creative, um, really innovative in terms of what we were putting on the media plan, the types of ideas we were putting together. And, you know, we, we, um, and it was really integrated. It was, it was very performance based, but we were given a lot of budget and room to do more brand driven work as well. So that, you know, we created, um, augmented reality uh, mobile cricket games uh, and and as as much as sort of doing your more traditional sort of digital out of home stuff and paid search and paid social 
But actually, real, really interesting in terms of data and, and understanding how far people would travel to games. Also, um, really getting into um, how you reach minority audiences as well. That you know, passionate about cricket around the UK, where it's Indian, Pakistani, Bangladesh type audiences as well. So, and then and then layer on top of that, understanding how people research and how far out from a cricket game or how close to a cricket game they choose to buy a ticket, and then how you drive recommendation um amongst those that have attended and and amplify that sort of content out throughout the tournament i have to say it was probably one of the most complex layered integrated but also fun campaigns that we've worked on for a while and um you know i have to say for for us specifically that really helped us open other doors into other organizations now we're working with the fa and we're working with uefa on this summer's women's euros football tournament um, so I think it was a good opportunity for us to showcase our creativity as well as uh, focus on performance to other audiences that were watching the hundred quite closely. Well, how exciting to be part of something that you can be that's completely fresh start. You can you know change it as much as you like, and that's a completely what happened I think wasn't it because it I mean it got me talking about cricket someone that I was definitely not the intended audience of it but it got everyone talking about it yeah and I think it was it was really good for women's sports as well and for reaching sort of younger and uh, and other audiences that hadn't traditionally engaged with with cricket and um, you know then to go to other grounds and actually see you know all that hard work pay off in terms of looking around the, the stadium and seeing the different types of people there that you were trying to reach when you were planning the campaign back in sort of you know February March of that year was was really rewarding actually you'd almost had visible results rather than kind of numbers you can see your results yeah and we broke all sorts of records as well in terms of attendance at women's only cricket matches um so yeah I think it was it was really not just um interesting and exciting to work on but also fulfilling to actually see the results in real life as they say in, as well rather than just seeing some you know the results on a on a data sheet and seeing that you know you've got good ROI but actually to attend an event and see the impact of your work was really exciting yes no I can imagine absolutely and finally it's all about getting my attention this is where I give you a challenge to resell me a outdated or old-fashioned item. And for this week's one, we have chosen for you a pocket calculator. So you have to retarget that to a modern audience and ideally with a performance marketing strategy as well. And I will remind you that this is going to be graded at the end. Mm. So it is incredibly important that you try your utmost for this challenge. And when you are ready, it is over to you. Blimey. Okay. So who who not who nominated this one? I don't know. Is it it's like crowdsourced, is it? Or are you just Yes, we get with... people to send them in. Right. Okay. I guess it was rather worrying is that I still use a pocket calculator. So like <laughs> I don't know if it is completely outdated, but like um interesting, I didn't know this. The the pocket calculator was invented by Sir Clive Sinclair, who uh, you probably don't know, who haven't heard of, but actually when I was growing up, he was like really this exciting boffin that created this sort of um, electric vehicle that was able to, it was going to transform our lives and now it's come full circle and if he'd invented it in the last year or so it was sold loads but um, I've started using my mobile phone a lot less in the evenings because I'm trying to sort of deconnect and from from everything that's going on and of course every, everyone uses their phone now as, as um, for to calculate complex sums and 
now if I'm not using my phone, I have to use something else. And um, I think there's this movement to switching off a little bit more or, de- you know, going off grid a little bit more in the evenings because it's driving anxiety and all sorts of sleep problems. So actually, I think the pocket calculator is a good way of actually getting you off your mobile phone if you need to calculate your rising energy prices, which most people are trying to <laughs> it's also doing in the last sort of month. Also, from a performance marketing perspective, I don't know. I used to have this, I've still got this scientific calculator, which I've never used half the buttons on there. They're always like baffling to me. But I'd imagine most performance marketeers are so adept at understanding all sorts of crazy equations that they could probably use a scientific calculator, which I can't. So I think they'd get a lot of fun, enjoyment and value out of it. Um, Also, it can be fun, a scientific calculator. I don't, I just remember when I was young, spending ages you know, putting numbers in, turning the calculator around and spelling funny words. Yes, I, <laughs> I know exactly done. the words you're thinking of. I think 58008 was a popular word. Right, yeah. And I, I just don't know if I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if young kids today would get the same amount of enjoyment as I did doing that for hours well, on definitely, end. Especially with the uh, scientific calculators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and... <laughs> See, all that fun you could be missing out on if you didn't have a sort of pocket calculator. Well, it seems that you have basically convinced me that they're not outdated at all because they're still incredibly relevant today. And also what I like is the fact that it's taking time away from your phone because, I mean, you can have an app for everything on your phone these days. So it means you're spending a lot of time on it, which I don't like getting need these blue light glasses now that kind of filter out all these uh, harmful light that is uh, passing through giving you headaches and the such i'm going to give you a a seven this week i think it was an admirable effort you (laughs) have definitely convinced me that they are not outdated at all uh so yeah i think that's something to be proud of seven out of ten that's a bit miserable though isn't it (laughs) 70 percent. i think that's that's pretty good no (laughs) is it okay (laughs) fair enough Well, thanks, Jim, for being our guest this week on Attention Seekers. I hope you've satisfied your attention-seeking desires. (laughs) I've got no desire to seek any more attention today. Thank you. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website, performancemarketingworld.com. Don't forget to look out on our socials, which are linked on the site and in this episode's description, to send in suggestions for next time's Resell Me a Pen Challenge. And thank you all for listening, and I look forward to you joining me next time. 